we're in a series right now called Liar, Liar. Would you turn to that person next to you and say, Liar, Liar? Oh, you're going to get slapped. Don't do that. Anyway, no. The pastor said. So we titled this uh, series Liar, Liar. And we have a key scripture for the whole series. And uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you now. It's taken out of John chapter 8 and verse 32. And it says, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth doesn't set you free. Knowing the truth will set you free. Come on, somebody. That's what it's saying. And you'll know it. And then that whole process of knowing that truth, that will set you free. And I believe with all of my heart that each and every one of us have some truths that we need to get uh, in our lives and set us free some, from some lies. And I, I don't include the pastor. I, I believe each and every one of us um, have some things that we've accepted and that we've held on to. And so we started into this series because I want everyone in Church on the Hill to be like Jesus. Come on, somebody. And according to Jesus in Mark chapter 16, he kind of qualified what followers of his would look like. And if you're a follower of Jesus, say me. Let me see. Yeah, that's called Christians. You want to try it again? If you're a follower of Jesus, say me. There you go. He says, he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Mark 16. In my name, they'll cast out devils. If they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them. If they touch any deadly snakes or anything, take up snakes, it won't. In those days, you know, they, they were constantly getting bit by snakes. If, they, if they, they will speak in new tongues, literally, they will lay hands on sick people and they will recover. This is the standard by which those of us who follow Christ should be living by. So my question has been, why don't I live like that? Why don't I have that experience? Why don't you have that experience? And I believe it's because we've accepted some lies. And what we want to do is dig those lies out because we will know the truth and the truth will do what? set us free. One more time. We'll know the truth and what will the truth do? Set us free. Knowing that truth will set us free. And that was kind of the premise that we jumped into this. And that was the first week. The first week of this series, we're in part three. Uh, the first part we talked about uh, where all of these lies and these misappropriations of truth come from. And Jesus in the same chapter of John 8 said it was Satan. He is the father of lies. He's been lying from the beginning. He brought death and destruction through his lies and what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. And, he's, and Jesus called him the father of lies. And remember, if you were here for that that service. Go back and listen to it on podcast. If not, uh, if you if you remember, we taught you that when Jesus calls Satan the father of lies, what he's not talking about his gender, male or female. He's talking about his operation. And then we went in to explain what a father does versus what a mother does. And we're not talking disseminate or essentially we're just talking you know biological. What a father does is disseminate truth, disseminate seed, if you will. And so what Satan does is he disseminates lies. He is the father of lies. Well, those lies have no power unless we receive them and wound them. Then they begin to propagate and grow. And then, if you will, spawn what is very detrimental and destructive to our lives. So Satan can't come in your house and just start beating on you and show up, you know, one night you're in the middle of sleeping and Satan comes in, I'm going to kill you. Well, he can't do that. What he can do, though, is disseminate lies into you to where you believe that Satan can come in and kill you. Now you've given him power. Are you with me? So what we're in this series to do is depower his lies. Are you there? Say yes. Because he is a toothless lion who's already been defeated by Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. He's under his feet, death and destruction. And then we moved into the second week or last week or the second part of the series. And we went and said, what's the first big lie that Satan did to begin to destroy humanity? So we went to the garden in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve and his big Go for it lie that he got Adam and believe to, to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve to believe. What he got Adam and Eve to believe was the lie of dissatisfaction. And he started into him. Did God really say you can't eat of the trees in the garden? And she starts defending it. Well, no, we can eat of any of the trees in the garden. We just not the one in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know why, right? Because if you eat of it, you will be as smart 
as he is. You'll know good from evil. You'll be like God, and he doesn't want you to be like that. He wants you to be little simple people that he has control over. And what happened was in that moment of perfection, they're living in the Garden of Eden. They live in paradise. They're naked, and they're not afraid. I mean, this is amazing. They they don't step on anything, and it hurts their little bare feet because there are no thorns and thistles. There's no mosquitoes, you know, sucking the blood out out of their derriere. I mean, they are living in perfection. They're not hungry. Food is just growing off of trees for them. They're completely satisfied, and they lose perfection because of the lie of dissatisfaction. There's got to be something better. And I challenged you. I challenge you to don't give in to that lie that there's a better man out there for you. There's a better woman out there for you. Don't give in to that lie that there's a better, better thing out there for you. That God Learn contentment with God is great gain. Learn that. And we challenged us to just dig out that lie and find the truth in what God's done already in our lives and what he's going to do. If not, you're constantly searching after the next thing and you never can find satisfaction in Christ. Come on, are you there? Say yes. So today... We're going to look at what I can see is probably, if you will, his second big attempt at lies. He's a liar from the beginning, and he has some general pieces that seem to work for everybody. And so we're going to look at the lie of what we're calling today the lie of discouragement. Would you say that? The lie of discouragement. Say it out loud one more time. The lie of discouragement. There you go. And we've got a key verse for that. We're going to, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It's on the screen. So would you do this with me? Would you quote this verse with me? But when we get to the word us, would you, would you in, invert your name into that? Because scripture is supposed to be personal, right? See, I don't read the Bible so I can preach to you. I read the Bible so I can become like Christ. Okay? So it should be personal. So could you, if you will, read it out loud for me. And where you see the word us, put your name. Here we go. If God is for Adam... Who can be against Adam? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for Adam, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give Adam all things? So the lie of discouragement, really, and I'm using this word discouragement kind of in a general sense. When when you take the word discourage, it means to steal or remove courage, to discourage, to take courage out of people. You discourage them. They discourage you. They steal your courage. Or we could say it like this, the stealing of your confidence, to take away your confidence and the courage that you are to walk through this life. And in that, Satan is after a couple key things when he's trying to discourage you. He's trying to steal your confidence. Number one, that you're accepted, that God loves you, that God values you, that you are being transformed day by day. You're not in perfection yet. You're just being transformed. He wants to steal your confidence that God is on your side, that you are sons and daughters of the Most High, that you're not validated, that you're not good enough, that you can't live it right, that you keep falling in sin, so therefore you cannot be a son or daughter of God. Friend, can I tell you something? What we just learned out of Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, if God is for Adam, who can be against Adam? He He did not spare, talking about God, his own son, but gave up his own son for Adam. How not also will he not give me graciously everything? Friend, you got to get an understanding that you are God's son and God's daughter. You are validated not because you're good or bad. You're validated because you're his. You have to understand This scripture, and he said a thousand years ago, God looked out at when you were going to be born, when you were going to exist, and he said, I want to purchase them. 
I, what do I have in heaven that's the most valuable commodity because that's what I'm willing to pay. And he takes his son Jesus, the most valuable commodity of heaven, and he sacrifices. He pays for you and me. He values us so much that he takes the most valuable commodity in heaven and he pays for you and me to own us, to have access to us. Friend, if you don't understand your value, what will happen is it will cause you to lead, lead a life of devaluedness. What you will do is you'll never walk in confidence. You'll never walk in grace and mercy because you're constantly listening to the lie of discouragement. You're not good enough. You can't do that. God's not for you. He doesn't want you. You keep sinning. And so therefore, you don't belong to him. And these lies begin to permeate. And what we taught you last week and the week before is what happens. And we'll let this represent our life, our soul, if you will. And even though you grew up maybe in church as a kid or you went to church in Sunday school and you heard some good truths and you believe Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. But then what happened was you started getting in junior high and somebody said, you so stupid, you so ugly. And those lies started just getting in there, right? And then your mom got divorced and your stepdad that came into your life, he didn't like you because he liked his other kids better. And those lies begin to permeate the space that should have been filled up with truth is now filled up with a little bit of truth and a whole lot of lie. And it's my job as your pastor to help you see that you should know the truth so the truth can set you free. But I can't help you know the truth if you won't help me dig out the lies. If you dig out the lies, then the space can come available for the truth to fill up. When, tr- when you're filled with truth, you walk in freedom. When you walk in freedom, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cast out devils, you don't live in poverty, you don't live in shame and difficulty. But because you have lies in there, they keep you bound down, if you will, held back, and you need to have freedom in Jesus' I have come that you might have life and more, life more abundantly. I have come to set the captives free. Who's he talking about? You and me. Why? Because we are bound to lies. We're bound to lies that no matter what we do, it's not good enough for God. These are the lies of discouragement that Satan jumped into putting into our souls. He's beginning to just propagate them, propagate them, propagate them. So we don't see ourselves as sons and daughters. Back in the day when I was, Jamie and I were youth pastors, I would always tell the young ladies this. I would say, you only have to advertise that which is cheap. I want you to think about it for a moment. When have you seen, on Saturday morning, when have you seen them marketing a Maybach or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? Come on down right here, only for, I tell you right here, for $29.99 a month, you can have this Ferrari. They don't ever advertise those. Why? Because they don't have to advertise them. They're so valuable. The people who want them, go find them. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but Ferrari is on a two-year waiting list. They are personally made for rich people. It is designed around the desire of that rich person. They don't sell them to the general public. If you buy one, you're buying one used if you're a general public type person. Why? Because it's so valuable. Uh, Years ago, one of our pastors was a wealthy pastor, and he took Jamie and I to eat um, for our anniversary, and, uh, and, and, and he took us to this place, and we never, we pulled up in this parking lot. We'd seen this big, nice high-rise building in the downtown area, but we didn't know what was there. We got in this specialized elevator with a man standing there with white gloves, helping us get on the elevator, taking our jackets and coats and whatever. We go all the way to the top floor. We're seated next to this window, and as we're sitting there, they come out, and they start, they start taking the, the, the thing and putting it on my lap. I'm like, dude, I'm okay. I don't need your help to put my napkin on my lap. Look, what's wrong with you? And, uh, and then they start coming over, and they bring us a little salad and we eat the salad and then they bring us some sorbet and I'm like ice cream before the entree that is awesome so I start eating the ice cream I'm like can I have more ice cream they're like that's palate cleaner I'm like 
Well, can I have some more pallet clean? I ain't, I'm just a country boy. I ain't know about no pallet. That pallet clean pretty good. And then the menu comes. The menu comes, and I'm looking at the menu, and it's in French and whatever language. And I'm looking over at the pastor, and, and I'm having a trouble because there are no prices on the menu. And I don't know about you, but I don't buy what I want. I buy what I can afford. Come on, somebody. I ain't looking down there for what, what I would eat. I'm looking down, ah, I can't afford that right now. We, it's, it's nuggets again. Let's go. Everybody, water, water. What's wrong with y'all? Don't you dare get a $4 Coke. I'll kill you, kid. And so I look at him. I said, there's no prices on the menu. He goes, that's because if you got to ha- ask how much it costs, you can't come to this restaurant. I was like, what? Well, let's just, you are paying, right? I just want to be sure before we... I used to tell the girls all the time, if you have to market it, that means you don't see it as value. Moses herself, because the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Not she who tracks down, exposes herself to try to get a hold of some dude's attention. Because when you have to, because when you market, you get all kinds of crazy people trying to buy it. Come on now. But when it's valuable, you stay hidden. Now, you're not supposed to be all ugly and being uh, rude, but when they find you, you got to be, I am ready. And the reason why I point this out is because one of the great lies of the enemy is to devalue you, that you are not a son, that you're not a daughter. He died for you. He, he paid the ultimate price. He, he took $200,000 and bought a $200 car. Like, why would you overpay? He said, no, I'm going to send my son Jesus. That's how valuable you are. What does Romans say again? What does it say? If God who is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for who? You, me. He get, I will trade you billions of dollars for your worthless soul. Okay. Why? Because he doesn't see it as worthless. He sees it as valuable. He sees you as valuable. He sees you as worth the price that he paid. When you and I, therefore, then see ourselves as, un, uh, as not valuable, what happens is we devalue what he values. And therefore, whatever we believe is how we live. And so some of you are living below the standard of your value because you bought a lie, the lie of discouragement. You don't walk in courage. You don't walk in confidence. Because you don't know your value and understand your value. I, I grew up uh, and, and, and I had this uh, family in the church. They were very, they were the wealthiest people I've ever known. I just say it like this. And they had, um, they, it was their later marriage. They were, they, they uh, you know, they'd been married before. And this gentleman was very, very wealthy in his 80s. And uh, he had, um, he had a love child with his much younger um, lady, friend, uh, mar- uh, woman, uh, wife. There you go. Child was getting there. <clears throat> And so that kid ended up being a little close to my age, and they recognized that he was crazy and was going to really mess up his life. So they asked me to befriend him and try to coach him a little bit. The problem was, and if you know the 80s, the problem was at 14 years old, they bought him a Porsche. He wouldn't even know enough to drive. We wrecked it around the farm just farting around with the Porsche. So when he turned 15, and I don't know if you know this, but if you remember like mid-80s, he turned 15, and in Louisiana the day, you could, you could uh, get your driver's license at 15. They bought him a Mustang GT. It was the fastest car off the showroom floor at the time. He wrapped it around the pole within the first couple months. But this kid, and I'll just call their name Smith to protect their identity. This kid was a Smith. Come on, you know how you grew up with the such and such family or in, the, in the city or whatever? He was a Smith. When he went to the mall, he went to the mall different than the way I went to the mall. 
I'd go with him. He'd walk in a store, and you know the little girls come up, hey, would you, are you interested in something? He'd say, yeah, and he'd just start buying stuff. I'd say, oh, girlfriend, I ain't got no money. Get off of me. Back up. He walked in a confidence, are you with me? To an, almost to a point of arrogance, right? So you got to understand, you are God's daughter. You are God's son. And this lie to try to steal that, he's been doing from the very beginning. In fact, the second time we really see him in Scripture, there's some other past, but one of the real big come-on-the-scenes moment is the moment that Jesus is water baptized. And I want to look at that passage of Scripture a little bit and see G- Satan's attack and this lie that he brings forth. So if you will, turn with me quickly to Matthew 3.16. Not John 3.16, but Matthew 3.16. Matthew 3.16 Jesus goes to be water baptized by John. As he walks up, John's like, I can't baptize you. I can't do that. You, Jesus, man, you are the son of God. I'm not fit to undo your sandals. Now, you got to understand, John the Baptist at this moment is the most famous preacher on the planet. I mean, he's seeing miracles. He's doing crazy things. He is the dude. And when Jesus walks up, Jesus says, I, I, he, says, I, he says, you have to baptize me. So picking up in verse 16. So John the Baptist, you know, said, okay. As, as, as verse 16 kicks in, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. At verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. Now I want you to think about this moment. Jesus goes to get water baptized and the most famous preacher of the day validates him. That would be like, you know, Bishop Jakes getting on TV and saying, listen, that Adam McCain, he's a much better preacher than me. That'd be like, you know, Joel Osteen, listen, I want to just point out to y'all, I'm doing a lot for Jesus. But there's a friend in Dallas. I tell you, he is so amazing. That would be like these guys say, you know, I would walk to the mall a whole different way. Like, Mr. Jake says, I'm better than him. <laughs> Joe Osteen's been getting my notes and re-preaching my sermon. <laughs> the validation. Can you imagine? Or whatever field you're in, you know, maybe you're an engineer. I mean, don't you enjoy that moment at the end of the year when you're the employee of the year, when you made more sales than anybody else? That feeling like, yes, I'm validated. John the Baptist validates Jesus. Then, as he comes up out of the water, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit validates him and lands on him. And everybody's like, oh. The Holy Spirit validates him. And then the heavens rip open. And a voice comes out of heaven, and it's God the Father. This is my son, who I love, and whom I'm well pleased. Can you imagine? Jesus leaves that moment. The Bible says the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. He leaves that moment. Imagine how he's walking, man. John the Baptist is on the man. Holy Spirit is on the man. God the Father. I'm God's. I'm the man. And after 40 days of fasting, being out in the wilderness, Satan comes. And let's look at his first lie temptation as he tries to destroy Jesus from, again, he's validated. He's, he knows who he is. He's the son of God. God the Father validates him. God the Holy Spirit validates him. And the most famous preacher of the time validates him. I'd say that's pretty validated. Why in the world, then, will these next set of verses happen? So turn with me quickly. And we'll drop down from that chapter 3 into chapter 4 of the same book, Matthew. It says, verse 3, Then the tempter came to him, and look at his opening temptation. If you are the son of God. 40 days early, you don't think Satan was sitting there watching all that? Why would he come after seeing the depths of validation that Jesus has experienced? Why would he come and attack who he is? 
Because, friend, if I can get you to disagree with who you really are, then I can keep you from accomplishing that which you were sent to accomplish. If you don't know who you are and you don't know whose you are, then you'll walk around this planet being so dysfunctional and so broken and causing that to exist in the lives of others. So he comes to him. Look at the opening, his opening. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Can I say something to you? Can you imagine trying to get Michael Jordan to prove that he could dunk? Then I don't believe you can dunk. Show me. Can you dunk? I want to see it because I don't believe it. Michael Jordan would have to stay, take two steps below who he is to prove to some little idiot like me that he can dunk. Are you there? Satan, it's not that he don't believe he's the son of God. He's trying to get him not to believe he's the son of God. It's not that he doesn't believe he's going to change the world. It's that he's got to get him to believe that he may not change the world. So the only way he can get him to do that is to challenge. Come on, somebody. He's got to pour in. He's trying to pour in some lies. To, listen, I want to pour into you that you, are you real? I don't believe you're the son of God. But what does Jesus do? They don't get inside of his soul. Because how does he respond? It is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, what you and I have done is we've received that lie, and that lie's propagated. He doesn't really love you. You can't call yourself a Christian because last week you still are struggling with your same-sex attraction. I know you said you love God, but you don't. You know what? You, you used to be a better Christian because you used to go and pray every day, and now you don't. So are you really God's son? Are you really his daughter? And once that doubt sets in, it starts propagating inside of us, and it begins to take on life. And here's the deal. The reason why you and I can't heal the sick and raise the dead is because we don't believe we're sons and daughters of God. I was thinking about Paris Hilton the other day. That chick, she thinks she runs the world because her daddy had some hotels. I mean, she gets out of jail when other people, we, you and I would be under the jail with the stuff she does. Like, we'd never see the light of day. And though she's misappropriated it, there is power in the Hilton name. Is there any name? Is there any name above the name of Jesus? Is there any God above our God? If we are sons, the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places with him. Everything that's under his feet is under our feet. Why, don't, why are we scared of cancer? Why are we scared of this, that, and the other? Because we have doubt and unbelief. It's not because you don't pray enough. It's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you didn't do enough. And this is old school religion to get you so convinced that if you do more and, and be more, then you can actually see more. But at the end of the day, you misappropriate a truth. And the truth is, you're his daughter. You're his son. You belong to him. And which of us do not give good gifts to our children? Which of us do not take care of our children? Let me tell you something. My kids can walk around. I'm a McCain because that means something. Why? Because I've imparted into them what it means to be a McCain. Imparted to them, we're going to be gracious and kind to others. And as a result, we get scared because the moment God starts disciplining us because of our old school way of thinking, because we run away. And the reason why we're so unvalidated in who we are, the moment God starts disciplining us, we want to run away. And the reason why we run away is because if I'm being disciplined, then I must not be God's son. I must not be his daughter. When the Bible says clearly, I only discipline those that are mine. I don't whip somebody else's kid. That's your problem. God don't out there whipping, whipping wicked people. 
He's whipping his own sons and daughters. Why? Because he's putting in us his DNA. He's teaching us his value system. If you're getting spanked by God, you need to go, Woohoo! I'm greatly loved. Oh, yes! Yes, 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 yes! I'm a child of the Most High God. Because he only whoops those he loves, and he's only doing it because he's making us into his image day by day, a workmanship, crafting us into his image because we're his. Don't you get it? Let me tell you something. My kids, I had one of them come home the other day, and they were talking bad about something. I pulled them aside. Let me tell you something right now. We are McCain's. We don't talk bad about people. There's enough people talking bad about everybody. We're not going to be a part. Do you under, I, will whoop, I, will, I will bless you within an inch of your life. Do you understand me? That's right. We are Christians. We, our last name is Christian, Christ-like. We are his sons and his daughters. Look at it. So you take it to the second, verse 5. He does it a second time. He gets smacked in the head on that one. He ain't scared. He comes back again. Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. What's his temptation this time? What's his lie this time? Verse 6. What is it? If you are the Son of God, he won't give up on this thing. Why? Because he knows a truth that you and I keep failing at, and that is this. If we know who we are, if we know who we are, then we can do what he did and be what he was. That's why when I tell you the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you, and you just need to get another Christian to pray for you, you're like, no, I don't believe that. I want the superhero pastor to pray for me because you don't really believe it. Why? Because you don't understand sonship and daughtership. You don't really believe that you are the righteousness in Christ. You don't really grasp that truth. You believe, well, if I pray for people, I sin last. I was looking at porn, so if I pray for people, they may now become porn addicts. That's, that's some of the lies in your brain. Where did that come from? From Satan. He's been doing it from the beginning. Look what he does with Jesus. Jesus! Can you get any more validated? I don't know about you, but I would think that if we were in the middle of a service and the heaven rips open and God says, That's Adam! That's my boy. Y'all better listen to him. I would, I would walk a little different, I think. I'd be like, y'all heard what he said. I will fry you if you disobey the word of the Lord. <laughs> Why would there even be a space or a thought to try to attack Jesus here? Because he understands a great truth. That if I know who I am and I know whose I am, nothing can stop me. Because I belong to the God of the heavens and the earth. I am his daughter. I am his son. That's what you got to say. You got to get it. I'm going to push on this all service long. I promise you're going to hear it a hundred more times. Because I'm telling you right now, you and I walk as failures. We walk as sons and daughters of our failed parents. And we walk as sons and daughters of, of, a, of a dysfunctional United States of America. We act as though this, that, and the other. Because what we've been through and what we don't realize is who we are. And whose we are. And they're part of the reason you don't realize because you don't understand the payment that he paid for you. You consider yourself cheap because you don't pay attention to what the cross really did and how much that was worth. The worth that you possess was so valuable to the Father that he sent the most valuable commodity of heaven and he bought you and he bought me. He valued us. So he goes into the second time. If you're the son of God, if you're the son, he still doesn't, he's, he's acting like he don't believe. He knows he's the son of God. Throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up your hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Prove to me. I don't think you're the son of God. I don't think you are. You're going to have to prove to me because I ain't got no respect for you. If you really are the son of God, throw yourself down. 
Because the Bible says this. Because he's, now he's trying to use the Bible against Jesus, right? Because Jesus used the Bible against him. And Jesus says, uh, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Can I tell you something? I don't have to prove to you anything. Because I know who I am. And when you get around trying to prove to other people that you're a Christian, you start trying to prove to Satan, I'm going to do more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to make every service, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, listen, I come to church, I pray, I seek, because I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how to be a son. I'm not trying to get his approval, I already have his approval. I'm not trying to get his validation, I already have his validation. I'm just trying to learn to grow to be like my father. I'm just trying to act like and learn how, because my old nature isn't like the father. And I still got enough of the old nature in me that it's still kind of confusing. And so when people say, is that a Christian? Because I don't look like a Christian. I know, right? It's still, I'm still trying to get, get that out. I'm still trying to learn how to be a son of the most high God. Don't confuse that as to whether or not you are a son. You are a son. You are a daughter. But you're still learning and growing and how we can become more like him. Are you there? Say yes. So he goes after it again. And Jesus smacks him another time. Then a third time. Look what he does. So he ups his game the third time. And he took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he changes the statement a little bit. All this I will give you. I will give you all these kingdoms. Can I ask you something? How can Satan give what God already possesses? If, if Jesus did not understand he was the son of God, he would have, and submitted to this thought process, this lie, he would have, if he just said, you're right, I don't want to go to the cross. He would have then submitted himself under Satan. All Satan is trying to do is to get lies in you to where you do not have the courage to be the son and daughter that you're called to be. And so he's constantly attacking that. Uh huh. Well, if you did and you don't do and you don't do this and you didn't do that, see as a result, look what's happened. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. Here's some symptoms. You say, "Well, I don't know if I've really bought in to the lie of discouragement or not." Well, let me give you some symptoms. Here's some symptoms. First one: a constant need for validation. A constant need of validation. Instead of just being comfortable in your own sin. It's just, just saying, instead of just saying, I'm a son or daughter of the most high God, I'm still learning, I'm still making mistakes, but I'm God's son. I'm, I'm, I've been branded, I've been marked. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I can do all things through Christ who gives. Instead of that, there's a constant need for validation. So you try to find validation. You try to find validation in your work. You try to find validation in your relationships. You're chasing after these things, trying to get someone to tell you you're worth something, trying to get somebody to say you're valuable. And friend, when you chase after that, that's a sign that you bought into the lie of discouragement. Because you know what? I love you with all my heart, but if you don't like me and you don't like Churchill Hill, there's a good church for you, and I want to help you find it. Because I am just who I am. God made me for such a time as this. He could have put me in the 1800s. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God. I hate horses. Oh, man. I'm so grateful for my air-conditioned Murano. Oh, my Lord. I love you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. For such a time, he made you. So you don't have to have everybody love you and validate you. You've been validated by the king of kings. and the Lord. What, rela- what freedom to love people and not expect anything in return. Because I'm validated. I love you. And I don't care if you don't love me back. I don't need it because I'm validated by the Lord. But when you and I have bought into the lie of discouragement, we're constantly in need of validation. When the scripture actually says this in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You don't need to be validated. You're already validated. You are his workmanship. Do you know that word workmanship? That's a Michelangelo masterpiece. He buys you. He gets you. You become a Christian and you got this clear slate and there's nothing beautiful about you. And then he starts, he starts with a slide. <laughs> and all of a sudden now you're not dealing with pornography anymore, but you still got your little attitude thing, but he's working on that. He's going to paint with that in and he's going to make that into something beautiful. And it's just a workmanship. It doesn't happen overnight. Come on, friend. I'm his son. I'm his son. In his eyes, I'm perfect. I understand I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I understand I still got flesh that we're crucifying daily. I get that, but that doesn't negate that I'm his. And he'll never leave me or forsake me. And the reason why you can't walk in that confidence, you should walk in the room everywhere you go. (laughs) How you doing? All right, all right. How you doing? All right, all right, all right. Oh, you need some prayer? Come on, when I pray, it happens. Because I'm God's son, I'm God's daughter. Let me pray for you. Really? Yes. I I heard heard that, you know, this, that. No, 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 sweetheart, that's a lie. Let me just love on you. Let me just pray for you. Boom. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. Okay, here's the second symptom that you've accepted the lie of discouragement, and that is intimidation from attempting great things. You have an intimidation from attempting great things. Listen, when you know who you are in God, God says jump. You say how high? How far? I can't jump that far, but you, you can put a wind up under my derriere and blow me all across that ca- chasm. I have trust in you. I, and when you and I are attempting, listen, you don't see, that? Paul was constantly attempting amazing things. Like, dude, you're getting old and you're going to go preach in prison? Bro, they tried to kill you at the last one. I know, let's go back to the place where they stoned me. Like, I don't know about you, but like if I was out preaching and let's say I went out to Cleveland and they got mad at me and they started shooting me and they beat me down and they left me for dead and God resurrected me. I don't know about you, but my thought would be the next year, hey, I don't, I don't think we're going to go back to Cleveland. Let's, uh, let's go to Burleson maybe. Paul's like, let's go back. <laughs> Why? Because he knows who he is. And you can't kill me until God's ready for me. You can't take my life. I give it freely. Because he knows who he is. See, you and I don't know who we are. We bought into lies that we're not good enough. We haven't, we, you know, we might fail. And then so we start creating false doctrine to excuse the lies that we've received. Well, you know, miracles went away with the apostles. Well, that works for them, but doesn't really work for us. And what happens is we stopped attempting great things simply because we bought into some lies, the lies of discouragement. It's it's an amazing symptom. When you and I need to understand this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ. That's not in and of myself, but through Christ, I can do all things. Some of you won't start a small group because you're scared you might fail. Are you kidding me? A son and daughter is not scared they're going to fail because why? I can do all things. Through Christ, who gives me strength. I don't know what I'm doing. You're like, well, if I had a Bible school degree. Oh, well, you know, if I'd been, you know, pastored better. Oh, well, I just got saved. It's amazing. It's amazing that new Christians, people who just get saved, how bold and courageous they are. Why? Because they don't know any better. They don't know any better. Why? We sit around for years, and what we thought was faith and glorious, now we get smart. You know, we pray for that one person, and it didn't work. And then, you know, we tried a small group, and everybody left us. 
And so what happens is that doubt and unbelief gets all inside of us. Those lies start permeating us. So here we are. You've been saved 30, 40 years, and you've not tried anything new for Jesus. You haven't attempted anything great. And, you're like, and, and, and you blame it on, well, you know, hallelujah. The Lord, when the Lord wants me to, he'll ask me to. He already did. It's called his holy scriptures. He's he don't repeat himself. Doesn't need to keep going back and repeating himself. He said, go and make disciples. Doesn't need to keep telling you. In fact, if you've been saved 20, 30, 40 years, my God, you should be raising the dead, healing the sick. You've had this much sonship season and this much daughtership time. You must know him intimately. No, because you and I have bought in the lies that have kept us from growing at the space that we should have grown at. And they have caused us to be stunted in our spiritual growth. I'm telling you, I have, you have. I was so mad when I turned 30 that I hadn't healed, you know, raised anybody from the dead. I was so mad. Like, I wanted to outdo Jesus, right? You know, because 33, he was done, ascended into the heavens. I was like, by 33, I will create, I will be the leader of an international revival. And so at 33, when Jamie and I were like, just leading a small group before our church, we're like, man, I had to get over it. Because I had such a belief that I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. But I never stopped attempting great things. This is a sign that you're intimidated to attempt something great. is a sign that you bought into the lie of discouragement. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Friend, listen to me. Safe is the enemy of the supernatural. And for whatever reason, the older we get, we want safety. We want to protect our 501. We want to, take, to protect our 401k. We want to protect our, our financial interests. We're scared that you know we're going to be poor and old, and we're not going to be validated and all this kind of stuff. And that fear has set in to keep you from living in the supernatural. And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on sick people, and they will recover. We're called to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, walk in miracles. And the reason why that doesn't happen is not because you're not good or you didn't pray enough. It's because you bought into lies. It held you back from the truth because you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? Set you free. Set you free. Here's the third symptom. You still with me? Say yes. You still love me? Because I sure do love you. Number three, the inability to accept God's love. This is another symptom. We, we, our pastors are talking about this all the time in counseling sessions that we have with the congregational folks. All the time. The inability for folks in this church to accept God's love. Inability. It's a lie. It's a symptom that you bought into the lie of discouragement. That God doesn't love you. That God's not, you're not good enough. You didn't perform enough. So you can't accept his love and his mercies. The word of God says his mercies are renewed every morning. So yesterday you blew it. Hallelujah. That was yesterday. You're a son. Wake up this morning in the new mercies of God. Repent of your sin and move on. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful to serve the Lord. But you can't receive love. And some of you, I, I'm so sorry. Some of you grew up with a mom, and no matter what you did, she would never give you affection. Some of you grew up with a dad, then no matter how you performed, it wasn't enough. And so you constantly have to reach to the next level and outperform. You, you lost the last baseball game, so he didn't talk to you for a week until you got up to the next one and pitched a better game. Then he took you out to get ice cream. And you had this performance mentality, and you brought that right into your relationship with the living God. And you lived this whole thing, and the inability to accept his love unless I do something good. Inability to accept his love just for me. God loves you just for you. He loves you. He loves me with my short, fat, ugly self. He loves me with my goofy. He loves me, loves me, loves me. For God so loved Adam McCain that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved you, John Smith, that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't love the person you're going to become. He loves you right where you're at. He validates you right who you are. He loves you so much that he's molding you. You're his workmanship. You're his beautiful masterpiece. 
And he's working it day in and day out as you and I grow into maturity, coming like him in all we say and do. Romans 8, 38. You should get a hold of this one. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither this present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We try to pour love on you and you can't take it. Why? Because you're not, not, not that you're full of hate. You're just full of, uh, of, 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 of um, lies that you can't accept that love. That if, if someone goes to love you, you feel like you got to do something in return. If someone goes to just bless you, you can't receive a blessing. You're like, well, well I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to act. I had a man tell me. I took him out for dinner. He goes, I've never had a man take me out to dinner. I was like, well, I'm sorry, but he didn't know how to act. He's like, uh, 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 uh. I was like, dude, you don't know how to receive love. You don't know how to receive love. That's why some of you keep pushing away relationships because you don't know how to receive love. Why? Because you bought into the lie of discouragement that you are not validated just in who you are. So when someone starts loving you, you start saying, well, I've got to do better to receive that love. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. He sends his sons and daughters to love on his sons and daughters. You just need to learn how to receive it. It's a tough one, I know. Here's a Fourth and final symptom of this lie that maybe you and I have received, and that is this. Performance dictates value. I've alluded to it a couple times in this, in this message, but I want to qualify it right here. Performance dictates value. In other words, if I perform, then I'm valuable. If I perform well, then I'm really valuable. But if I perform poorly, then I'm not so valuable. God did not pick you because of your performance. He picked you because you're his. Because you are made in his image. The lions aren't made in his image. The giraffe are not made in his image. The birds and the fish are not made in his image. We're the only creature on the planet that God did this. Out of mud. And then he says he took the mud man out of the dirt of the earth that he fashioned, and he breathed in Adam the breath of life. (gasps) He breathed into Adam his very nature. And he took from Adam half of who he was, not just the rib, that's a misappropriation of that, took half of who he was and made Eve, the nature of God. And we are the descendants of Adam and Eve. We are favored by the Lord because we look like him. When he looks down, he goes, yeah, that's mine right there. And he look, when he looks down at the earth and there are those who refuse him and won't make him the Lord of their life, won't accept his son as their savior, his heart's broken. So what does he do? He says to the ones who are obedient, please help me get these. Please help me get these. And we can't go help him get these because we don't recognize that we belong to him. We don't realize how much we are his. We keep trying to prove that we're worthy of his love. We keep trying to perform if we pray more, if we read the Bible more, if we're good enough, then miracles will happen. Then I'm really validated. And you brought that whole lie into this relationship, and it doesn't work. That's why you can't feel God's presence. That's why some of you keep trying to go back to the 80s. You're trying to get back. You're listening to that same worship that really touched you, but that was in a moment where you actually trusted the Lord. And believed in he was your dad. And over time, you've lost that confidence. And you keep trying to go back to those moments. The cloud has moved on. 
Come back to the place. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm validated because he says I am, not because I say I am. I am validated and loved because he has the ability to love what I can't even love. He has the ability to love me, and I don't even love myself. And he has this, listen, can I tell you something? All this whole teaching about you need to learn to love yourself, love yourself. Friend, that is nothing more than self-worship. Let me just help you. What you need to do is find yourself in Christ. You say, I see myself through his lens, not through my lens. I can never make myself feel good enough to actually become like Christ. What I have to do is die to Adam McCain and let him resurrect me into his image. This is the beauty of the truth that you belong to God. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. You say, I'm still struggling with those drugs. You're not the drug head. You're God's son. You know, I still have those same-sex attraction thoughts. You're not a homosexual. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. That's who you are. And so many times, the moment we start struggling, we start verbalizing the struggle instead of verbalizing. What did Jesus do? How did he defeat it? The word of God says. The word of God says. Oh, listen, I know. Yeah, man, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with depression right now. But the word of God says that he'll never leave me or forsake me. That I'm validated in Christ. I'm joint heirs with Christ. This performance, let me tell you what you need to understand what the word of God says in 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You need to memorize this in 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Have you ever had a rich uncle or aunt that loved you? And that's just, you wanted to go spend the summer because they just lavish and lavish. That's what this is saying. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The truth is you're a son or daughter of God. The lie is you're never good enough. The lie is you're not validated. The lie is that he doesn't really, really approve of you because you've got this sin habit, because you've got this conflict, because you still haven't worked through this yet. That is the lie. The truth is he has lavished his love on me and you and allowed us to be called children of God. We are his sons and his daughters, and this, according to is what we are. Would you stand with me all across the room? This is is what we are, sons and daughters of the Most High God. So as a son, cancer has no power over you. As a daughter, depression has no power over you. Only the power you give it. That lie that life isn't working out the way you intended it, that needs to be cultivated with a truth. And that is, I've surrendered my life to Him I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto me. See, when you and I are full of lies, they sound good. I've heard some of you tell them to me. Well, my daddy always said, well, your daddy was full of this. He bought into it too. And that's how limited the enemy has created, the limitations that the enemy's created in your life because you've accepted it. You will know the truth the truth will set you free I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment and I want you to say out of your mouth I am a son a daughter of God say it right now say it one more time like you mean it I am son or a daughter of God 
I want you to say this with me. Say, I am validated because he sent his son to pay for me. I am valued because he sent his son to pay for me. I am loved because he sent his son to pay for me. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now. Lord, I pray that the revelation of the lie that we bought into, that that would be uncovered right now in Jesus' name. Now today, keep your head bowed and your eye closed. I I gave you some symptoms of this lie of discouragement, the need for validation. It's never never good enough. You've got to have 10 people tell you how good it was, how great you are. You bounce from relationship to relationship, constantly needing someone else to validate you. Bounce from job to job looking for validation. Intimidation to attempt great things. You hadn't tried anything courageous for Jesus in forever. Inability to accept God's love. God says, I love you, and you keep telling him why you don't deserve his love. Can't accept it. Can't just receive it and say, thank you, Daddy. Thanks for loving me. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And the last symptom was clear. Performance dictates your value. You've been lied to that unless you perform well, you're not valuable. Unless you're number one in the race, you're not good enough. Last place in performance is last place in God's love. That's a lie you bought into. These are symptoms right where you stand. If you bought into the lie of discouragement, you recognize I am filled with that thing. It is propagated. I have received the seed of that lie. And it's affecting me in areas I didn't even realize. Pastor, I'm, I'm sensing this right now. I want you just right there where you're at. Ask the Lord to help you. Say, Lord, help me dig this lie out. Lord, let me see who I am. Let me understand whose I am. Would you just pray that right there under your breath? Father, in Jesus' name, may every man and woman in our church, Lord, be set free. Know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Lord, I want them to know how much you love them. I want them to know. I want them to understand and stop devaluing what you did, why you did it. Lord, may they sense the validation that they don't have to perform for you. I know the church they came from said if they served enough in kids' ministry and if they performed well enough and they didn't make any mistakes, then God loved them. But, Lord, that's a lie. You love them because they're yours. You love me because I'm yours. Lord, remove the lie that I have to perform for your, for your presence or I have to outdo the other guy to be special. I'm special because I'm yours name of Jesus, I rebuke every lie of discouragement, every lie to steal your confidence that you're God's daughter, that you're God's son, every lie that steals your confidence that you're validated, that you're loved, that you're his. In Jesus' name, Lord, begin to uproot that, Lord. Use next week to give us practical tools on how to destroy the thoughts that are high thoughts. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, i got to be honest. I'm pretty doggone sure if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. You've been talking about a son or a daughter. I'm not a son. I'm not a daughter. Man, I used to be. I don't know what happened. I kind of walked away. I'm kind of like that scripture talks about the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. I, yeah, it happened. I just kind of got caught up. And But today, I, I don't want to live in shame. I don't want to live in guilt. I don't want to be away from the God who who died on a cross for me. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. 
Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian. I've never been a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Really, what you're teaching on is kind of blowing my mind. I've had a little bit of church experience in the past, but I didn't know these truths. But I see them now, and I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want God. I want God in my life. I want to be his son. I want to be his daughter. Maybe you say, well, what do I do? I I want that. What do I do now? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will adopt you as his son, as his daughter. He'll redeem you. He created you in the beginning of humanity and then sin stole us away from him and he sent his son to redeem us and pay for us and bring us back. If you're ready to receive that redemption, if you're ready to move into a relationship with the Lord, I'd like to pray with you. No one's looking around. This is a deep private decision. Nobody's sitting around waiting to see who it is and then make some big hoorah thing, bring you up on stage. This is a deep private thing. This is between you and Jesus. But as the pastor, I want to I want you to have a little courage. I want you to admit that to yourself and admit that to the Lord. No one's looking around if that's you. And you're ready to you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're ready to be a son or a daughter. Would you just throw your hand up and say, That's me, Pastor. Pray with me. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you for it. I'm trying to embarrass you. Just right where you stand. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready for a change. Give about three seconds. Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Put your hands down. Anybody else? Make sure I see it. God's tugging at your heart. Don't push him away. Don't push him away. This is your moment. Respond to him. Say, yes, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to be yours. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of dedication. It's a prayer of sonship and daughtership. And I want you to mean it with all of your heart. In fact, I can get everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of you. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm ashamed of what I've become, what I've been doing. But I ask you now, wash away the shame. Forgive me. I accept what you did on the cross for me. And here and now, I accept that I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I am yours. Jesus, I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I'm yours forever. Now keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand, prayed that prayer, meant that from all their heart, even those who didn't get their hand up, they were crying out to you to become a son and daughter of yours. I pray right now they would sense adoption. They would sense forgiveness. They would sense the validation that you're you're their God, you're their dad, they're your son, they're your daughter. Father, I pray against every lie that's going to start permeating the rest of the day and into next week. Oh, you didn't mean it. Oh, you're still going to go do what you always do. And Father, I pray that you do just like Jesus did and said, no, 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 the Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, I may not be perfect. I'm still a masterpiece under construction, but I'm His. Father, may that sink deep into their heart. Lord God, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding begin to guard their heart and their mind through Christ Jesus. We call it as so in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen.